Hello, I'm Emma Jane Purcell and welcome back to Fail Harder, the podcast where I chat to people at the top of their game about failure, from their first memory of failure to how they cope with it now. Joining me on the podcast today, I have the absolutely class Marcus O'Leary. I think that like going back to the whole thing of like when you're younger, you, you're like more willing to fail. It's because you have you, like you don't know. Mm. You don't have that perspective. You don't have that life experience that lets you look at something and go, eh, the odds really aren't in my favor. As like, as a kid, you just leap into something head first. You're like, I'm gonna kill this. I am the best ever. Look at me. I am a shining golden god. Marcus is a self-made man and considered one of Ireland's top DJs, recently headlining the Heineken stage at EP and featuring on the cover of Hot Press magazine. Marcus is also a successful chef, comedian, bingo extraordinaire and runs his own club night. But today, Marcus is not here to talk about success. He's here to talk about failure. You're very welcome to the podcast, Marcus. Thank you so much, Emma Jane. That's like, like a game show introduction. There. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, to be honest. There was no failure there. You're not setting me up for, for whatever's going to happen in the coming podcast. Oh, there's a lot uh, coming up. So I'll explain uh, the format to you. So, Perfect. Um, in the podcast, I have 20 questions in front of me here numbered at random and in the spirit of failure and trying to assert control over what life might throw at us you can pick the numbers so you're telling me that I just need to take a bit of a gamble pick a number between 1 and 20 that's going to correspond to a question that I might not like I might love but uh, but that's life that's life so uh, will I go ahead are you ready listen let's just start at the beginning let's, let's go fail. with number 1 let's fail let's go with number 1 that's a perfect question to begin okay Marcus, what is your earliest memory of failure? Oh, I have. Okay, so I suppose like it, let's let's talk about kind of what failure is in a lot of ways. Like obviously, failure is a lack of success, but a lot of the time, like you know, I've I've built a career out of being a good person. So like maybe my earliest m- memory of failure is like, do I remember being an asshole as a kid? And. and and Where I are you? do. No, like I was a, generally a pretty good kid. But you know when you're young and stupid and you just like you you don't realize that like you, like you can hurt people and stuff like that. I don't mean like betray them and like emotionally hurt them. I mean like really just like hurt physically them. Hurt physically hurt them. Physically hurt them. Yeah. So like I remember I was in France at my granny's house and um my 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 uncle there was like a mole infestation. So, like, he was setting traps for all the moles and everything like that. And basically, my other cousin was helping him. He was, like, two or three years older than me. Um, Johnny, if you're listening to this, I'm I'm thoroughly sorry. <laughs> but basically, I don't know why, like, I was looking at them and everything like that. And I just went and got, like, a log and, like, dropped it on my cousin's head. Oh. Yeah, like, properly, like, I was maybe, like, Like, four. was he annoying you? I or? was fourth. No, like, not that I can remember. I do remember like twacking him over the head with the big old stick though. For no reason. Like and then I look at that as like maybe that's my earliest failure as a person. You failed yourself. Maybe I, yeah, I let the I, I let down myself um, by hitting someone over the head with a big stick. Fair. What yeah. was like 
What was the punishment for that? Oh, I got I got a spanking, like I got a got a serious spanking, but it was a very much a kind of it, it taught me. It taught me a lot, you know. And did you enjoy throwing the log? Over no, I don't, like I I've no like you know it's one of those early memories that like you is so clouded. And like you can kind of remember little bits of it. I just remember one minute I was holding a log and the next minute <laughs> I was being shouted at. My cousin was crying and then Yeah, so maybe that's maybe that's my earliest by the way, if you are listening to this and you're like, Well, I thought Marcus was a nice guy, turns out he is literally the child from the omen. Now, trust me, like the fact that I recognise this as a failure and a, a failure of self by attacking someone. You know that's that that leads to growth, hopefully. And what's the relationship like with that guy now? Is that oh. being tainted forever because of the log throwing? Or? No, well, well, I'm guessing I knocked a couple of points off his IQ because he's still good friends with me. Like, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we're great mates. I was over at his wedding recently. You can barely see barely see the bump in his head. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Uh, okay, let's move on to the next question. What number would you like, Mark? So that's yeah, that's number one. Um, all right, let's let's flip the script and go number twenty. Number twenty. Mm. This is a fun one. Okay. What is the maximum number of times a single A4 sheet of paper can be folded in half? Oh, by I hand? actually know this. Um, isn't it something r- ridiculously small, like eight or nine or something? No, only once, because after that you'll be folding it into quarters, eighths, etc. Yeah, but you failed. Okay, no. Okay, let's. <laughs> Let's talk about how you failed with that question, because <laughs> this is okay. This goes back to the old philosophical thing that if you have a ship, right, and over the course of twenty years, you know, one year you replace the mast, the next year you replace a couple of sheets of uh, of wood in the decking, then next year you replace some of the hull, and over the course of twenty years you've replaced every single part of that ship. Is it still the same ship? Interesting. So with the A four sheet, by folding it in half, you are not necessarily you're not changing the nature of an A4 sheet you're making the best out of your failure Mark listen that, that's what I do this is what but you genuinely do. no this is this is the thing that sometimes when you're in a corner you have to be a badger yeah you have to look you have to look your failure in the eye and just go I really like how you've turned this question around no but seriously like it's, it, it, are you changing the actual metaphysical nature of what an A4 sheet means means to you or means to me or means to the universe I think you just have I think so mm-hmm. I hope so next number Marcus Okay, next question. Let's uh, go number 15. Has anyone you loved ever really failed you? Has anyone I loved ever really failed me? Um, see, this is, this is a really this is a really interesting one because like to truly love someone means that you're accepting of their failures mm. as a person and that you can you can get past anything like that. Like that's in my eyes, what love is, is that, you know, you, you can you can see past, like, direct failures. Now, obviously, that exists in, in a certain set of parameters, you know, like, if you love someone and they, and they stab you, that might be up for review. You might have to look at that <laughs> and go, you know what, I wasn't, wasn't really that cool with the whole... With the whole stabbing thing. With the whole thing. stabbing thing, yeah. Yeah, or like, you know, there's always the kind of the betrayals of the heart and the yeah, like tell stuff us, like that. Is there is there somebody like, I don't know, an ex, like somebody you really, really just loved and, I don't know, something something happened. They they failed you in that way. Not, and not enormously. Now, 
this is it's funny because like your brain remembers certain things and i i think that when it comes to when it comes to failures you can overlook massive things especially if the person can't help them so say like you know my mom has struggled with mental mental health issues and has kind of like you know there's been situations with that that have been really really tough but funnily enough I don't remember any of those as failures because they were they were so much bigger than that. Or like saying my dad, like he's a human, like he's fucked up some things, and that's mm. that's okay. That happens. But do I consider that a failure? Not necessarily. However, I remember being like seven and having a toy from a Kinder Egg that I gave my dad to have a look, and he broke the thing, <gasps> and I was like, I was heartbroken. It was so cool. It was like a little crane, and he broke it. So like. That's one thing. But then when it comes to like, you know, friends or like, I don't have this like staunch moment of betrayal Mm. in my head, like where, you know, I look back and just like this kind of like Shakespearean moment of, you know, I feel like like knowing you, I I feel like it's that's you, though, that's Marcus, because like I think. I would know other people who would be like, yes, boom, X did this when we were 15 and I never look back. Whereas I think you're a very, you know, you're a kind, accepting person. And I think that that's... I think one of the, one of the biggest things is like, I've noticed this. Okay, so the, you know how like, no matter who you're in a relationship with over the course of any amount of years of your life, you will have arguments. And like, this has been happening since I was like starting to see girls like, We'd have arguments and there'd be like a list of stuff on their side. And I'd be like, I just don't remember any of the bad shit that you've done because I don't dwell on it. Yeah. I, I like I let it wash off me like water off a duck's back because like what's the point in holding on to anything like that? You don't get so, that like thing in your stomach where you're like, mm, they wronged me now. And no. What an amazing way to be. No, it's a, I, maybe maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe I was hit over the head with the stick. <laughs> As a child, mm. and it like knocked out something in my cerebral cortex. That, Your cousin's listening, and it's yeah, like, oh, he's that just went like, very damn it! I gave him a weird superpower. No, it's like, do you know what? It's yeah, I, did, I don't like dwelling on a on bad things. So, so you consider yourself a very forgiving person, basically. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, like, yeah, I actually would. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's yeah. let's leave it there. Yeah. Okay. Next number, Marcus. Next number. Let's go three. Number three. Ooh, I like this one. <laughs> I like my own question. Go on. Um, are success and failure linked for you or are they two very separate things? Um, in the same way that you can't have good without bad or enjoyment without lack of enjoyment, you can't have, you know, success without failure because mm. one is the kind of the opposite of the other. So, yeah, like the two are so intrinsically linked that that like they 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 are mirror images of each other like without success or failure you just have this horrible middle ground that everyone would exist in and no mm. one would thrive at anything i think a, i think a lot of people you know try and exist within that middle ground because of the absolute fear oh people have like an failure. abject fear of failure definitely mm. definitely definitely but like i remember so Kind of for a little bit of background, I went to college. I wasn't really into it. I started doing stand-up comedy. 
I dropped out of college to do stand-up comedy. I kept on doing that. Then I started working in kitchens at the time. I was really into music as well. I was starting to teach myself how to DJ. Then I, I was working in kitchens, doing stand-up and DJing at the same time. Then I stopped working in kitchens, was doing stand-up and DJing, uh, did less and less stand-up, and then went full-time DJing. Right Now, the whole thing with any of those gigs is that you're doing something for someone else. You're basically putting something either on a plate or you're saying words or you're playing songs for someone else. And nobody is really good at that at the start. So no. that's the thing. It's like you learn from failure and either you let that failure get the best of you and you let you smack it down and you go, no, no, this isn't for me. I feel social pressure. I feel the pressure of failing. I feel like I'm not good enough when I'm comparing myself to other people and thus I'm going to stop. Mm. So, yeah, I would say that even with stuff that I'm doing now with different projects, like, you know, people don't want to work with someone who's never failed. People don't want to people don't want to actually put money behind somebody who's never failed because like you don't know what to do. Like you don't learn from success. Yeah. Really. Like you can be successful and that's all happy days and thumbs up. But like it's how you deal with, with failure and how you react to failure and how you actually you you make I don't even know if it's a conscious decision. I think that it's something inside you that's going to make you go, okay, dust yourself off, get back up, go again. Do you think that that's harder as you get older? Because I feel like I, you know, not that I'm fearless, but I would have been a little bit more fearless when I was a little bit younger. And now as I'm, you know, getting older, um, I find that my fear of failure is kind of upped because I, I don't know, do I feel like I have more to lose now or something? Do you feel that way? I or? think, I'd like, I was actually talking to somebody about this the other day. I think that what happens is as you get older, you develop more experience and you, you've seen people mess things up and you've seen, when you're young and like, you know, you have this, this keen edge of ambition and of lust for life that hasn't been dulled by the shitty reality of, of life most of the mm. time. The fact that like, you know, Sometimes there is no going back and everything like that. Like when you're 19, you can go and you can bounce around and do whatever the hell you want because, like, my God, like when you're 19, 23 is the furthest age away. It's just old. But like, I'm 30 now and like I'm, I'm blinking and like my birthday was six months ago and it's like, you know, all of a sudden time's going way quicker and like, yeah, the, maybe there is a little bit more to lose. Yeah, the, like, a little bit less time to experiment. And I know that's just like a, a construct, really. But I, I definitely feel that way that I'm like, okay, now I'm getting a bit older. So also, this kind of messing that, around needs to kind of... <laughs> I think that um, when you're younger as well, you have far more brain elas elasticity. Mm. So you learn things a lot easier. You like you come back from things you, like you're, you know, you, you genuinely think about how much quicker you bounce back from like hangovers when you're younger. Like you, yeah, you just recover good time. from everything quicker. <laughs> yeah. Now, like you have a glass of wine and you're out of action for six days. Like that's... And on the seventh day, you have another glass of wine and do it all again. Yeah. But yeah, I think to kind of go back to um, the thing, yeah, you can't, you can't have any, any success. Without failure. Without failure. Mm -hmm. Lovely. Next number, Marcus. Let's go 12. Uh -huh. Have you had any specific past failure that you look back on now and say, thank fuck that didn't work out? Mm. Like you considered it to be a major failure in your life at the time. Yeah, well, um, this this is a funny one because like, actually, do you know what? It'd probably be college. Yeah. College, like, like 
while I didn't necessarily see it as a failure, I felt like a bit of a failure to my family. Because, like, you know, part of my family is very academic. And when I told them that I was dropping out of college to to do stand-up comedy. What they, were you studying in college? I was, I was doing, so, like, it was at that, okay, so I left school in 2007. And at the time, like, the, the education system in Ireland was so weird. Mm. Like, I remember sitting with, like, a guidance counsellor in, like, you know, a career advice person in school who was just like, Marcus, just go and get a degree. Go and just sit in a in a in a classroom and get a degree. And I was like, why though? Like if I if I don't want to do the thing, is that not just wasting time? They're like, Marcus, it's to show people that you can get a degree. Uh, were you good in school? Like, was that why they were so adamant that you oh, that you go and get a degree? Where you you know? No, I wasn't bad in school. Um, I definitely had my strengths, and I definitely <laughs> knew how to play to them, and I used that to kind of game the system a little bit. Like I knew. Yeah. That like I was going to get an A1 in French. I knew that I was going to get an A1 in music. I knew that I was going to get an average kind of score across everything else. Like I've That's always been, good. I've always been very much to the attitude of like working smart rather than working hard ever since I was a kid. So like I knew what I had to do to <laughs> to achieve the results that I wanted. It wasn't like I remember having this discussion with my dad, and he was like, "Marcus, why aren't you studying loads?" I was like, "Well, because I don't want to get like five hundred points and six hundred points and go do medicine or anything like that." But it basically. Went to college and like, I went and I did like a joint arts major, like a so two ma- a double major in a music and philosophy. Two things I was really interested yeah. in, and like you know I'd studied music all my life and I've kind of done it. And like moving into college, it was like all doing that again and going in and doing philosophy and learning about all that. And it's kind of if I'd stuck at that, it, it's kind of this weird paradox that at the time I felt like a failure because I dropped out to pursue something and so it's kind of a burden that I carried for a long time that I felt that like you know maybe I'd let my family down or they weren't proud of me or anything like that but then in hindsight if I hadn't done that it would have been the biggest failure to myself so it's kind of where, where do you stand on that kind of on that separation where you know obviously you don't want to let someone who's close to you down but at the same time you, you can't let yourself yeah, down yeah you got to be true to yourself but yeah. look look where you are now because of that choice. But you know what? It was like, I think the fear of failure and the need to prove something is what, what drove me along a lot of the time. That, you know, I like... Because I would, you dropped out, you wanted to prove you could do something else. Exactly, okay. yeah. Well, it was kind of because I dropped out, it was like, I knew that I had to work extra hard. And for years, like, I was doing like 40, 50 hour weeks in a kitchen, DJing three nights a week, and the other four nights a week, I was doing stand-up gigs. Hmm. Like, I was on the go all the time while juggling a relationship friendships, social life and like, you know, trying to like just stay sane. Yeah. Like I was working so, 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 so much to kind of to kind of try and prove that like I made the right decision. I really like that because I think there's a, a thing as well with, with leaving college with with the great degree in the first class honours um, that there's kind of an expectation and it you know, usually that expectation is like trashed within the first six months that you're yeah. going to like do really well because like I had that expectation. I went to drama school and I did really well and, you know, you know, got good parts and, you mm-hmm. know, things were easy for me in drama school. And then I finished and I was like, where are all the parts and Where's why, all the why don't people want to put me in everything? And mm-hmm. that like, that was a... You know, that was a really shocking thing. And I know people tell you it's going to be hard, but you kind of, deep down, oh, you, you believe that oh, you believe you're going that to be you're the special, one. That yeah, you're, you do. That you're, yeah, this like absolutely, 
foolproof little thing and you're like, yeah, the real world is shocking. Yeah. And it's funny, like, you don't get prepared for that. No. Like, and that's, I think that's probably a little bit of failure that everyone experiences, that you you step out of a, of this nice, secure school system thinking that, like, finally, I'm free, I'm a grown-up. And it's like, you may as well just be a fucking kid again. Yeah. Like, fighting against someone who's stronger than you. Yeah, it's... Um, you do, like, you really think, I, I mean, maybe I'm speaking too generally here, but... You know, people are like, you know, trying to do this is really tough. It's only one in a million, you know, get it. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to beat that one in a million. Like, that's pure I'm just, that like, confidence. And then you just, you come out and you fail, like, but with you a know, I, th- I think that, like, going back to the whole thing of, like, when you're younger, you, you're, you like, more willing to fail. It's because you have, you, like, you don't know. Mm. You don't have that perspective. You don't have that life experience that lets you look at something and go, eh, the odds really aren't in my favor. As, like... As a kid, you just leap into something head first. You're like, I'm going to kill this. I am the best ever. Look at me. I am a shining golden god. Like, <laughs> that is... like that a little like, dance there as well. Just yeah, like... Um, visuals. Uh, like, but that's it. You don't have that social education. You don't have that, that like, contrast. You've, you've never seen someone crushed. It's Is it that kind of thing as well with, like, you know us growing up like I don't feel like my parents had that confidence when they finished school you know they were like you know you gotta do this and you do this and life is hard whereas we're kind of our generation though is spoiled we're spoiled when you think about it like we grew up in the internet internet age I suppose I'd be I'd be very much typical millennial and you'd probably be Gen Z you're 24? 26. 20, are you 26? Okay. <laughs> Since last Friday. <laughs> oh, God yeah I sent you a message for your happy birthday yes you I remember thank you Um, but yeah, it's kind of like when you look at our generation, like we grew up in a boom followed by a recession, followed by, you know, being told that we could do anything that we wanted, being told that we may as well do anything we wanted because the planet's going to spontaneously combust in mm-hmm. 10 minutes anyway. And like, yeah, it's like there's lots of kind of different things that are that are contributing. Like back in the day, it was like, no, Seamus, don't be a idiot. <laughs> You have nine children to feed and you're not you need to work in a factory, Seamus. And do it until you die. Seamus, look at me in the eyes. And Seamus did. And Seamus did. Worked in the factory for forty years. But also like, you know, in like the nineteen nineteen fifties, like you couldn't turn around to someone and be like, Papa, I'm going to be a thespian. (laughs) Papa. Papa, I'm going I'm going to London to Radar. Yeah, yeah. I'm going I'm going, the I'm Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts. You'd be shot by the rat. Yeah, this wasn't you would, happening. You like... would be buried in a bog for having notions above your station. Yeah. Like it's. But yeah. yet the notions continue. The notions continue, but now we have so much more access to to notions. Yeah, we do. Anyway, let's. Anyway, carry let's on. move on. I can't even remember what that 17. question was. Oh, seventeen! Quick. Um... Ooh, yeah, okay. Okay, okay. I don't like the intro. You're like, ooh, is this going to be bad? Um, you know, it's good to be honest. Okay. <laughs> it's, an, it's, it's one that, you know, you can try and answer honestly. It's probably, okay. it's not, not something you might like about yourself, but it's life. Okay. okay. Have you ever felt good about someone else's failure? There's a German word for that called Schadenfreude, which oh. is actually taking pleasure in someone else's failure. And yes, I have. I think it's very, mm. very normal. Um, you know, sometimes it can, it can, this can, so, okay, Schadenfreude can come 
in a lot of different ways. And like feeling feeling good about someone else messing up isn't necessarily it doesn't necessarily make you a bad person. I think I have to put that on the table. Yeah, no, it doesn't. I agree. Right away. Um and this can be as simple as But we're taught that we shouldn't feel that way. You no, know, what definitely. I mean? Like, you know, there's a certain level of empathy that like you see someone fail and maybe you think that you shouldn't feel that. But, you know, it could be why are fail videos so the one of the biggest categories on YouTube? Mm. Watching people absolutely flatten themselves on ski mobiles in like the depths of Canada, just like nailing themselves into the side <laughs> of hills, or watching people try and wrestle bears and get eaten by bears or anything like that. Like that that category, like it's four AM in the morning, you you're unable to blink, you're just watching it just being like <laughs> Give me the failure, make me feel better about my shitty life. Um but like okay, so yeah, I work in like now I work predominantly in the club industry. Yeah. And at a promoter level, there's a huge amount of rivalry, even among friends. So like you know, last night, for example, my friend's night wiped the floor with mine. Oh. Yeah. So, like, I know for a fact that they're sitting there being like, <laughs> and that's cool. Yeah. Because I have done the same to them. I have felt good about wiping the floor with them in the past. But that's natural. And that's okay. And, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Especially especially in your industry. It's, it's a very similar thing in the acting industry because... You know, obviously oh, your best yeah. friends are going to be in the same industry and, yeah, and you're going to the same There's such fakeness in that industry as well. Yeah, there, there's there's quite a bit. And, you know, you find yourself, sadly, in situations where... There's nowhere more fake than a, like the a waiting room of an audition. Yeah. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Oh, man, you're <laughs> going to get, get this. But <laughs> Hey, man. Hey, man. You're perfect for the role. You're perfect for the role in this... McCain's chicken nugget ad. And then it's like Nugget Man. How did it go? <laughs> and there's like a little bit of you if they say like, Oh yeah, it went really well, like they kept me in there for ages and you're like, Oh, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> they only kept me in there for like two minutes. <laughs> All right, next question. What next number? What next number? Um have we done number eight? Oh, this is a fun one. Okay. Okay, let's go. Number eight. Spell plagiarism. P-L-A-I-G-I-R-I-S-M. Say it again. P-L-A-I-G-I-R-I-S-M. Uh-uh. No? No. P-L-A-G- Damn, I put I- an extra I in there. Like the fish from The Simpsons. It's a really hard word to spell. Can you spell Mississippi? M-I-S-S-I. No. Come on. C-U- Where's no. you Where's my... <laughs> Wow! I was about to take a difficulty. Uh, <laughs> I don't know Mrs. T, Mrs. C- I, Mrs. Yeah. F, F, I, Mrs. C, Mrs. U, Mrs. L, T, Y. And I got, I got stuck. I had because I was thinking of another rhyme for Mississippi. No, we're going. <laughs> Hold on, that's a totally different word. We're going Mississippi. Okay, come on. M I S S I S. I-P-P. Nah. Oh. See, I've plagiarised your question. Yeah. I've turned it on you. <laughs> P-L-A-G-I-O-R-I-S-M. Oh. Is that correct? P-L-A-I-G-I-A-R-I-S-M. I, I had an I in the first one. No. The, the first oh my God. It's all got to be P-L-A-G-I-A-R-I-S-M. Okay. Oh. M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. I'm going to get rid of this spelling question. <laughs> Okay, were you good at spelling? I was always a star speller in school. I, like, were you? I, my copies were like covered in gold stars and it gave me like a big, a big head about words as a kid. Loved reading. 
loved everything. Yeah. Because like it's bad, like dog. D O J. G. They were all wrong. Um, <laughs> was I good at spelling? I was, I'd say, grand at spelling. I'd say it wasn't the best, yeah. it wasn't the worst. Okay. I'm obviously okay. still just average at that, okay. at right. that uh, talent. All right, next number. I, th- I like how that question got turned from a failure into a showdown. Yeah, it was a showdown. Yeah, you, I have a feeling that some of these are going to turn into showdowns. Like it, it, it turned thought. into a bit of a Mexican standoff yeah. there. You're like, spell plagiarism. I was like, how about you spell this word, eh? I ah, think ah. you're so smart. <laughs> <laughs> let's go, um, oh, no, 16? Actually, no, let's keep it single digit. Let's go six. Okay. <laughs> what part of failure is impossible to put a positive spin on? <sighs> that's a really, that's a really tough one. Mm. Now, because I think like there's a lot of failures that you can come back from, but the only failure that you can't come back from is losing your integrity as as a person. Yeah. So I think like. Yeah, like when, when like you become the person who you you might hate, or you because like something has driven you to like that's the thing. I think that like you know you fail in business, whatever. Mm. You fail in a relationship, something might have gone wrong. But like if you fail yourself as a person over and over and over and over again, and there's nothing coming, there's no coming back from that. Well, then that's that's where you can't. Mm come back from like if if like yeah I think that's that's a really tricky one but it's also it's subjective you know it's it's very yeah it's very kind yeah. of subjective I think that you know I've like I think failure is amazing and obviously I want to do this podcast because you know so many amazing things can come out of failing but there also is an element of failure like why do we fear it so much because you know sometimes it's just really really shit and sometimes certain things happen and you you can't really move on from from that and you, but you know, know it like, might could change you forever that might be you know there's failure and there's failure yeah. you know there's like putting an effort into something and it not working and failure and then there's like the abandonment of everything you hold dear and valuable in life mm. and that's that's terrifying like that's like the the la- like the loss of all of your humanity, the loss of everything that you consider good about yourself. Like, that's scary, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I think that's the part of failure that that there's no coming back from is, yeah, the deepest failure of yourself. Yeah. 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 Deep. 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 (laughs) I think of what you do as well because, you know, you're you're so self-made and, you know, like you're nearly like a brand now like you know that that's that's a an amazing place to be in and like so many people aspire to be in that place but it's also like such a vulnerable place to be in it's vulnerable if you create something that isn't authentic and i think that's the that's the main thing that you really need to that you really need to focus on is like as soon as you step away from authenticity you're giving up a little bit of yourself in return you're selling a little bit of your soul to get something. Yeah. And that comes at a, at a cost that like, you know, you, it's like telling a white lie and then another white lie and then next thing you know, you're trying to keep up with 500 white lies that 
maybe you can't and some some one one will go wrong or somebody will find one thing about something and then next thing you know everything's crumbling so i think yeah like you just need to stay authentic and like it doesn't matter if like you know you suddenly as a result have to spend 10 times longer getting where you need to be but like you're not giving up something you're not giving up part of yourself to actually get there you know yeah do you find but, that do you find that hard with like the social media aspect of your job to you know always stay authentic or does that just come naturally to you I don't know I think like, it comes naturally seems natural anyway. It, co- it comes naturally enough yeah it's not something that like I have a rigorous schedule of being like oh I better post this I better do this mm. I better like I've been on stage since I was a kid. I've always been like very happy to be kind of in the spotlight or very happy to to share my life with people. Yeah. So I think that comes naturally, but now it's like it's not pandering on social. I think that's a that's a pretty big one, you know. Yeah, I think yeah. I think like you have a massive like young male following which, you know, and a people those lads love you and I, I do think it's because like I follow you too and I know a lot of people who really like you because you are authentic and you get on social media and you say I'm having a shit time at the moment and things aren't going that well and you know you're honest whereas we do see a lot of people who who don't ever mm-hmm. we don't see that side of them and I think people really appreciate that you come out and you say those things and yeah. people people love honest honesty. But I think yeah honesty and Kind of going back to the last question, like, what's the deepest place you can, or what's the failure you can't come back from? It's mm. like that lack of integrity, like where you you give so much of yourself away for the sake of something that you've got nothing left. Mm. So you got to stay honest. You got to stay true. Great. Yeah, love it. Mm-hmm. All right, next number. All right, let's go five. Have we done five? I don't think we've done five, have we? No, this okay. is a fun one. <laughs> okay, right. Let's Bring go us five. back from that deep one. Right. Um, what's 13 times nine? 13 times nine um, is 117. Ah, Marcus. What? <laughs> wow. What? Just like... These are supposed to be hard, unanswerable questions. Not unanswerable, you know. Obviously, they're they are answerable, you know. But they're you know, thirteen times nine isn't like easy to come up with that quickly. <laughs> God's sake! <laughs> Hundred and seventeen. I was like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> You're at least supposed to pretend it's difficult. I did. I gave it a little pause before I answered. <laughs> Small pause. <laughs> Insert small pause. Exeunt followed by a bear. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. Make that hair out. Um, okay, next number. All right, let's go seven. Have we done seven? No. No, okay. Let's I think seven. you've kind of answered this question already, but look, I'll give it a whirl. Well, let's give it a different spin. Yeah. Okay, so think back to your final year in secondary school. So, yeah. you know, 18-year-old Marcus. How did you picture your future then? Is that picture different to your life now? Yeah, it really, really is. Um, I didn't have a clue what I wanted to do in sixth year. Like, it's, I did like, and I think loads of people don't. No, I think loads of people are like in this. You know, they're in sixth year, and like all of a sudden, like I'm just going to say from a guy's perspective because I can't say it from a yeah. like. All of a sudden, you're like at the top of the food chain of the education system. You can maybe like take certain you know leeway in your uniform. You can wear. A blazer 
if you want. You can you wear blazers. It, yeah, like loads Ooh. of schools, loads of schools in Dublin. Like you're allowed to wear a blazer in sixth year, and like you know, that's it's weird looking back. It's just like you're getting dressed. You, that's they're starting to be like, and that's how you dress in the professional world. It's like I'm 17, you psycho. Like what? <laughs> so yeah, when I was like when I was when I was in school, I didn't know what I was going to do. Like I really 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 didn't like and I felt so much pressure from everywhere I was like do I want to go and eventually be a scientist or a doctor or do I want to go and be an actor do I want to go and you know be an architect like my dad do I want to do any of this and like when you have that much pressure on you it's very easy to feel like a failure yeah it's really easy to feel like a failure because it should seem obvious and it, it's made the system makes it feel like it should be obvious what you should be doing like you know somebody's turning around to you and going you should know what you want to do for the rest of your life like how perverse is that that like people retire at what like 65 yeah I think it's and, even getting older now yeah so like let's just say people retire at 70 right yeah and you're turning around to an 18 year old and saying decide what you want to do for the next 52 years. That's insanity. Yeah, that is insane. criminal. Like, that is... That's borderline child abuse. You know, it's like, to actually... And, I, I like, this is something I feel really, really strongly about. I think that, like, in the same way that we have, like, transition year, there should be, like, a mandatory period after school where you just go and, like, volunteer somewhere. Or you go... You go to a developing country and work for a while, gain a little bit of perspective and learn to appreciate the things that you have. Have a mandatory amount of time that you need to work in the service industry so you learn to not be a dick to people. Yeah. Like, stuff <laughs> like that. Like, So, yeah, when I was in sixth year, I didn't know what I wanted to do. But, like, show me an 18-year-old who does. Would 18-year-old Marcus look at 30-year-old Marcus and, and like, what would what do you think he would think about you? Probably no. asked me for guest list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Free in, lad. Yeah. <laughs> but would you be it's, like, um, yeah, cool. Uh, like, I, I I, love 30-year-old Americans. Or would he be like, oh, mortified or what? He probably be like, man, like, seriously, lay off the buffet. Are you serious? <laughs> 18-year-old Marcus is in really good shape. He'd probably be like, dude, like, what the hell have you... Put down the butter, man. <laughs> Come on, dude. Are you serious? Oh, Man, like, old Mark, like a step it. away from the pick and mix, you <laughs> psychopath. <laughs> no, eighteen-year-old Marcus. Um, I hope, I hope that we'd get on. Um, I'd definitely have a couple of words to say to him. I'd be like, "Man, like, learn to respect people a bit more. Stop being a little douche." Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. But again, learning that is a process through failures and people calling you out on your object failures. Whether it's disrespect, whether it's like inherent inbuilt misogyny, which was so much of in my generation, which like, you know, now is just commonplace not existing. Stuff like that, that like you learn through failures. You learn through someone turning around and going, that's a shit thing to do. Yeah. And that's important. That That's how you learn. You learn through empathetic failure. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. We do one more. Do yes, time? We, we have time. We have time. Okay. Uh, all right. Last number. I want you to pick the last one. Hmm. That's, uh, it's in my hands. Hold on. What do I think? Okay. To end this. Okay. I will ask. This is uh, number nine. Number nine. Okay. What's your funniest fail? Oh. 
Oh no. Go on. I um I sharted on stage in front of twenty thousand <gasps> people once. Yeah, like a little bit of poo came out. Like, and did they? Was it like no, a comedy? No, no, I was like, I was um, emceeing a thing in Wembley, um, which was a bit. Crazy. Oh, the color run. Yeah, it was the first color run. Um, basically, I'd been like, my schedule in the lead up to it had been absolutely hectic, um, like mentally hectic, and like I had a bit of a jippy tummy. And I remember I was really nervous. I was like, tw- I think it was like the first one was twenty five thousand people. That's insane. Like, and the thing is, it was on like a, a slight incline, so like looking out, you couldn't see the end of the crowd. Like it was mental. And like, I ran out and I was jumping around and it was going really, really well. I jumped and kind of farted at the same time. And like, <laughs> you know, when you just know and you're like, I was wearing shorts as well. Oh man! So I was like oh. before. Yeah, so I, th- that's one of them. And like, do you have to like sidle off, or do you have to stay decide, on stage? No, I I decide off. I decide off. Yeah, like the color run is all about bright colors, not like not poo colors. Not poo colors. So that, I mean, that's a pretty funny face. <laughs> that's a pretty funny. But like, you I know, love like it. you have to look back at that and. Like I, the failures that like maybe feel really horrible at the time that you can look back on and laugh. Like I remember when I was doing stand up. Um, I did a gig in Harold's Cross and it was with another comedian who like everyone was there to see. And like, it was so weird. Like, you know, it's funny that like you you go 15 minutes outside of the city centre and your crowd profile just completely changes. Like in the city centre, you know, you have actual comedy fans who go regularly to comedy clubs and they know how it works and everything yeah. like that. And then you step outside to like a more residential area. And you just have like loads of middle-aged people who just want to see what the hype is about and they don't understand that like you're not supposed to talk to people and everything like that. Bringing the bags of crisps and sweets in. Yeah, oh my God. It was like, (laughs) if there was a show, like imagine Ricky Gervais wrote a show about a 27-year-old stand-up comedian who had a gig so bad that it made him quit comedy. awkward. It was that gig. It was that gig. Like literally... I was I was supposed to do a twenty five minute set, and like I remember ten minutes in, cold sweat dripping off my forehead because like it was just going so badly, like you know when you you know when like you look somebody in the crowd in the eye and like all you can see is just somebody who hates you, oh, man. somebody who hates you. <laughs> but now I look back at that and I'm like, that like. That shit was funny. That's gas. That's funny. Like I, like I walked off that. I walked off the stage just being like, "Oh my god!" Like even now, I'm thinking about my skin's crawling. Yeah, but like at the I'm same time, a bit like, too. Yeah, you buzz off that though. You buzz off that. Like I don't know how people do stand up comedy. Like obviously, I know I'm no stranger to the stage, but like I couldn't get up there and like. No, you wouldn't if, do it. No, like I've done comedy plays and and stuff like that, but. You know, if people don't laugh, there's like a fourth wall and it doesn't really matter. Well, do you know Whereas what it is? Whereas if you're a comedian, they have to laugh. Well, no, like, do you know, it's like if you're doing a play, right, and somebody's not laughing, you can blame the script, you can blame the director, yeah. you can blame the producer, you can blame the writer, you can blame the rest of the cast. If you are a comedian and they're not laughing, the only person that you can blame is you. Yeah, that's tough. Like, they're your opinions. It's not like you're you're going out doing a play that might not be that funny. You're just like, you're going out talking about your stuff and they're like, shut up. 
<laughs> Shut up, you horrible wanker. <laughs> like, so yeah, that's pretty... I wish you'd shared it on stage in that story as well. That would have been... I, do you oh know what? My, how, that's like, the, that's that the kind of story... Th- like, that failure was so bad that I actually would have shit myself on stage just to spite them. Yeah. And I would have talked about it. And I wouldn't have left the stage. <laughs> and I would have let it, like... Like run down my legs, <laughs> form a pool on the stage, and then I would have kicked it at them. Gorgeous. Actually, do you know what? Did you ask me what the were? No, just going back to the question of like, have I ever enjoyed seeing someone fail? Someone tagged me in a video the other day of a thing that I was emceeing, maybe like four or five years ago, where like it was. So, do you know? Have you ever heard of the Iron Stomach competition? Yes, I have. It's yeah. like this is a thing in UCD. It's a big part of Freshers Week. It's like get a load of competitors and they have to eat like the most disgusting shit you've ever seen in your life like cans of dog food have to eat a whole stick of butter in one go oh, like, like drink a glass of olive oil like I'm I'm feeling queasy just thinking about it right mm. so there's like maybe six guys on stage one of them who was like really weird the whole time anyway he was a bit of a strange dude he literally gets up gives the finger to the crowd throws his, whatever he's eating and there's like there's a vomit note at the front of the stage right so it's basically like loads of bin bags because like oh god that was and he got up and he gave the finger to the crowd and he went to storm off stage I can't remember what he was doing but he slipped and <gasps> fell like literally head first into the vomit moat oh my god yeah um, what a time to be alive what a time to be alive how <laughs> is there coming back from that fail? I don't think there's a whole lot of coming back. But no. I think if we've learned something in this era is that most of the time there is coming back from fails. What a lovely way to end the podcast. I Marcus. hope so. Thank, Thank you so, you much, for having so me. much for coming on. You've been a treat. This has been loads of fun. It has been loads of fun. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Honestly, for having me. thank Genuinely. you. And thank you for your honesty. And um, yeah, I really appreciate it. Big love. Big thank love. you. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to Fail Harder. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. I would really appreciate getting the word out there. Um, if you could subscribe to the podcast, rate and review it, share it, tell your friends, tell your family. Um, also, feel free to get in touch on Instagram at Emma Jane Purcell or on Twitter. Thank you. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.